you wonder what happened in sports today, Brandon Petrilli, he got the wave. We talking a lot with bros today. Cracking some jokes, the podcast way. Goals on goals. Where homers on homers. Tutties on tutties. Got moments on moments. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into Petrilli. And welcome back to another episode of the BSP podcast. It is Monday, June 28th. It is two weeks since I've last had our guest on. And man, is it such a different vibe from two weeks ago. I have holding back on with me. I figured we needed to get him back on because we were talking a lot of shit. Oh yeah, we're we're, uh, pretty cocky. We were. Very, very, very cocky. And granted, it was worth it. Well worth it. I mean, Embiid's balling out. You know, Sixers were Ding up Trey Young. We were up 2-1 at the time. The team was looking good. And, man, how the tides turned from there. I mean, I hope you listened to my live reaction right after Game 7 of that Atlanta Hawks-Philadelphia 76ers game. That was just all raw, right off the cuff. But now we're going to get a little dive into it, a little more of that series of where the Sixers go from here and kind of just eat what we said a little bit, to be honest, too. But Holden, let's get into that game seven first. Man, that like nobody was pulling away at any point of the game. A lot of the other games in the series, somebody would be up 15, 20, so then another the other guys would make a run. And but this game was within eight seven points for the whole game. And you're like, somebody's got to make a run. Somebody's got to make a run. It never happened the whole game. It never really happened. And it came down to pretty much what everybody wants to talk about is as Joel Embiid puts it, we had a chance for an easy layup, but we end up coming away with one point from the free throw line. And that's Ben Simmons passing up a dunk to pass it to Ty, um, Matisse Thibel for him to go one for two at the line. I mean, that was a huge turning point in the game. The Sixers could have tied it up, I believe, at that point. But then they go down one, come down, they splash a three in the Sixers' face. And down four at that point where nobody was able to step up and make a three-point shot for this team, coming down the home stretch was real rough. Yeah, I also felt like we didn't feed Joe enough in the later half of the fourth quarter, you know. Fourth quarter opened up, he had like, I think, seven, maybe eight quick points. And then... We shot away from that. But, yeah, no. I mean, both teams, I feel like that was a pretty ugly game seven, you know. Trey Young shot 5 of 23, I believe. Embiid turned the ball over eight times maybe. You know, both stars were playing bad. And both teams kind of looked sluggish, and they just looked less sluggish at the end. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was the inability for the Sixers players, other than Embiid, to step up. You know, Curry and him both had 35-plus in the game. I mean, you can't ask for much more from those Seth Curry guys. Six, Seth Curry has 16 points. Dude. Oh, oh, that was the game before. That was the game before. You're right. Game my fault. Yeah. My fault. My fault. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're asking Joel Embiid to get you 40-plus a night. He's playing almost 40 minutes a night. It, it, just nonetheless. You got two other max players on this team that need to be able to make a shot. There was three times Tobias Harris drove in the lane, did that little – um floater and just brick 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 and you're like bro just take a layup just take your layup yeah and it, that's where my huge thing is is with with 
with Toby. He's supposed to be the guy. He had such a great regular season. Phenomenal. He, he was getting 20 plus, you know, almost eight boards a game. The guy was an absolute stud for it when, you know, yet. 39, 88 percentages. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, three-point field goal percentage and free throw percentage was an absolute awesome year for him, and he just crumbled. You know, four points in that last game. That can't happen with a guy that's making $180 million. Again, I think you're talking about uh, game five with four points. Am I mixing it all up? They all just rushed together. Yeah, I think you're mixing up game five. Game seven, Tobias had – he didn't play off. He had 24 oh, he had 20. points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got eight of 24, though. You know, he didn't play too bad, but you'd like to see him shoot better 8-24. And again, like you mentioned, he missed, I think it was three shots right in the paint. Which... He went 0 for 5 in the fourth quarter. Ah, yeah, you can't do that. And again, that's the most important quarter of the game. You know, you were we were up 4 one point in that game. When Matisse Steibel has an open three from the corner, we'd love to see him hit that. That'd be a great part of his game if he can consistently hit down that three-point shot. And I think that, for me, that was the turning point was when we were up four and we had a chance to go out seven and Matisse just bricked it. Trey comes back down the other end, splats a three, and it's a one-point game. And then the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, going back to those other games now, right? Game five specifically was just absolutely horrendous. That's where the whole accumulation was where we, we were talking, how can the Sixers lose this? You know, we're trying to think of ideas of, you know, if Trey Young goes off, blah, 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 they, they shoot, you know, 50% from three or something like that again. They didn't. They really didn't. And not only did they not do that, I was at the game. We were up 26 points. Yeah, bro. I've never seen a stadium be so live for three quarters and then so dead for the last one. And, I mean, it's not the stadium's fault. The team played like crap, you know? Yeah, man. Talk about that experience a little bit. You, you live down in North Carolina. You're like – you were texting I, me. I was, th- I was thinking about going with you. Man. I spent all my money getting out to fill it. You know, I spent $100 on gas getting up. I buy a ticket for 200 plus the fees. And then to get drunk, about another $150 with all the stadium beers and the Xfinity prices and the drinks outside. And I'll say this. It was, it was a great experience. You know, the first three quarters was awesome. You know, all the people around me, I was in the sea of my, in a mob of my people. It was great. You know, there's nothing better to me than being in a Philadelphia crowd at a sport game when your team's going crazy. And then we just start missing shots. I mean, the stat that obviously blows everyone away is that in the second half, nobody besides – I don't know if it was the fourth quarter or the second half, but nobody besides Seth Curry or Joel Embiid had a field goal, which is absurd, absolutely crazy. And I think another thing that goes over a lot of people's head is Dwight Howard's play this series, and specifically in that game. In that game, he was a – he played – um, Dwight Howard played, I think it was seven minutes, and he was a minus. He played eight minutes and was a minus 14. And that's just a, a testament to I think the Sixers are going to need. I might, I, I like Dwight Howard and I like to keep him for his veteran presence and his moral support he gives to a lot of the teammates. But, um, we need a better, more consistent backup five. Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame because I really like He was getting you 10 and 10 every night for the most part in the regular season, giving you 20 minutes. And, I mean, just to come up absolutely short, he couldn't run with, like, John Collins, you know, because the Hawks weren't big and Capella. Like, these guys are skinny, lanky dudes that can just get up and run and dunk on you. And he just wasn't able to keep up with those guys. And this was out of the game. 
I mean, we matched up Embiid with Capella, and Embiid obviously gave Capella the work. But, like, when you take Capella out of the game, we would take Embiid out of the game typically. And then you have Dwight Howard on a Conwu who's still – he's not that fast, but he's faster than Dwight. He's quicker than Dwight. And then John Collins, who not only is he quicker, but just has stupid bounce. Yeah. I mean, you look at the other guys on the bench here before we get into the bigger topics of this whole thing that everybody's going to be talking about for the rest of the summer. But let's dive into a little bit of what we think a guy like Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, even like a shake. I mean, you saw him come in for, what, what was it, game three, and Doc put him in. And he had a game two, and he had a huge impact for the Sixers. But after that, nothing. Nothing. You know, Maxi had his game. Um, Matisse had his game on defense. And then you were thinking early in game seven, I'm like, hey, this might be George Hill's game, you know? George Hill, man, I think he might have been the least valuable player this whole series. Yeah. Games one through seven, he didn't put up more than four points once, and he played ten minutes every game. Yeah, I mean, where do you think – I mean, we'll talk about the the assets that they can be in a second. Actually, let's talk about it now. The big stuff that everybody's – it's already been talked about plenty enough, but it is Ben Simmons. Yeah. The ability – we talked about it where he's given up the shot for the dunk. We were talking about it before we started recording, and that is when you listen to his press conference, he's kind of content with where he's at. He's uh, his whole career. He's been, you know, when you bring up shooting threes or just shooting a, a, a layup or a dunk, he's like, Hey, I'm a rookie of the year. I'm a three-time all-star all defensive player. And he just gives you all his accolades, but bro, it's all look what I've done, not look what I can do. Yes, exactly. And he's never, you know, you, you were saying Danny green said on his, on his um, greenhouse podcast where he's talking about, Ben needs to be pushed, you know, if, and if he isn't, he's content with where he's at. And it's a real shame as a guy that's 24 years old. And I don't think, you know, you hear Stephen A. Smith say, I mean, the guy worked in Philadelphia for years at the Inquirer. It's going to be tough for everybody to forgive him. Everybody's already been, you were either a Ben Simmons um, advocate or you absolutely hated the guy already, you know, and as guys that we always had Ben's back, to the performance in this playoffs, it's hard to defend at this point. You can't defend the performance. You can defend Ben Simmons, but you can't defend the performance. There's nothing you can say to justify how he played and his uh, lack of confidence in the series. You just can't. Like, you just – because the talent's there, right? He plays very great defense on Trey Young this whole whole series for the oh, most part. You know, Trey Young, I think most of the time, anytime he had that good of a game, he got bailed out by – uh, obviously, the refs helped Trey Young out a lot. Obviously, there's some plays that Ben couldn't stop with some just deep threes or some floaters, one of the hardest shots to guard. But, no, he did do a good job. And uh, it just is a shame that his good defensive work – and he also passed the ball well this series. It's a shame that his good defensive work and his passing are going to have to be have to be overlooked because of how uh, unable he was to drive to the basket, shoot the ball, or try and help his team on the offensive end. When Ben Simmons guarded Trey Young, he was held to 16 points a game, but his assists were 15 a game. So I give Trey Young huge credit for that, where he wasn't able to get the buckets, but he was making it happen for his other guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the other Hawks players, Kevin Herter, Bogey, John Collins. They all have good series. You know, they shot the ball well. There's not a lot you can do, at least about Kevin Herter, like game seven. You know, this man was 
contested pretty well. Yeah. That's another thing I hate is that he, well, he's being contested well by Seth Curry most of the game. Like, as Doc Rivers, at some point, when this ginger boy's got 28 on your head, you got to put somebody else on him, you know? If you're, And I believe for most of Game 7, Matisse Stiebel was on uh, Trey Young a lot. So I just feel like you have two all-NBA defenders in Matisse Stiebel and Ben Simmons. Why is one of the other one not on Kevin Herter when he's torching you all game? That was my huge issue with this whole series, and it's Doc Rivers. He got out-coached, worked by Nate McMillan. So I mean, how bad Doc Rivers was this series. Can't absolutely remember. brutal. I mean, he's had a history of it. I, I kind of was looking past that. You know, it's whatever, new team, new new culture, new players. But same Doc Rivers, though, and it's an absolute shame because Nate McMillan was able to figure out, hey, Seth Curry can't play defense on our guys. Yep. And every time they went on a run, it was either against the bench units that Doc Rivers would put in, and they would just give up those big leads, or they were going right at Seth Curry. Now, why couldn't the Sixers, well, A, defensively figure something else out to stop it, and B, offensively, when Embiid is struggling in the fourth quarter and is gassed a little bit, they stopped drawing plays up offensively in the fourth quarters of games. Yeah, ISO ball with a team that's not good at playing ISO ball, you know? Yeah, like all three quarters, they're moving the ball, they're running, they're passing the ball, hitting guys on the wing, they're hitting Furkan, they're hitting Danny, they're hitting Seth for corner threes, you know, Ben's moving, giving a dump pass to Tobias. They just stopped running that triple threat play that we talked so much about in our last podcast together. You know, they stopped using those back screens in the fourth quarters and they went ISO and that's just not the guys that they have. You know, they should be able to. We don't have Kyrie Irving. We're not an ISO team. We're a pass first team. We're a push the pace team. Get a lot of assist team, you know, set your other players up. Now, I mean, it's, it's funny how Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches um, you know, first place in the East, everything's lined up for you. Ben Simmons is all a defensive team, almost won the player, uh, defensive player of the year. And a lot of people are knocking down on the door saying they want them both out. Now, what, what are you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying, no, I could definitely, I'm fine if they're both gone, but I, I need to see one of them gone. I'll say that. I don't need to, but I would like to see one of them gone. Let's go back to the Ben Simmons thing here. I mean, it's been a couple weeks now. You're seeing a lot of rumors floating around about potential trades. I mean, I think you have a lot more information about that than I've seen. But what were you seeing? So I I do a lot of – that's one of my favorite things to do is look up, you know, trade ideas. And I've seen some people that are obviously delusional suggest we trade him. Basically the same package that we would offer for Damian Lillard, which is likely going to be Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and Maxi, which is it's a lot, and then a first round pick or two for Damian Lillard. Um, it's a lot, but that's a good trade. And then I saw some other trades that I like. The trade I like particularly the most because it fills our backup five position that I stressed earlier. Um, is Ben Simmons for Dejounte Murray, Jakob Pertl, and a first round pick. Obviously, Dejounte Murray isn't all that Ben Simmons is. However, he's just as young. He can shoot the ball. He's a great defender. He can pass the ball. He can also score. And Jakob Pertl is a great backup five. We could even play him at the four a little bit, maybe. He's a great defender. There was people calling for Depoy earlier in the year just because of his uh, advanced stats. You know, he didn't have quite the numbers and the impact Ben Simmons or Rudy Gobert would have. But the advanced stats showed how good Jakob Pertl was. And then I think another trade that excites me if we don't send Ben Simmons out west, which I think we probably will, is um, Ben Simmons for Zach Levine or some variation of that trade. And yeah. then also, 
I think a lot of people are talking about uh, Ben Simmons to the Timberwolves because he's obviously great friends with Carl Anthony Towns. He's good friends with D'Angelo Russell, too. Who would you get in that just draft picks? Uh, They're saying – I saw some people suggest we get Ben Simmons for D'Lo, Malik, Beasley, and a first-round pick, which I wouldn't hate, but I'm not not very high on D'Lo just because he's a very one-sided player. Yeah. He's a good offense player, but he's very one-sided. That's the biggest thing where I'm hesitant on that Damian Lillard trade. Mm-hmm. You know, you if you have to trade Ben and, and Thibel, yeah. your defensive squad goes way down the hill there. Your whole you yeah, you throw away two all I think Matisse made first team, did he not? Um no, he was on the second team, I believe. Okay, well we throw away two all NBA defenders, which is just hard to yeah, that's hard to uh look over. Just, Getting that much defense. Obviously, you're adding a lot of offense, but and then I also saw, however, that being said, a lot of people think that if we trade for Damian Lillard and we give up all those picks and all those players, a lot of people say they're gonna throw Robert Covington in too, which I know I would love to see as a Roko. longtime Roco lover. Yeah, he is a, a part of that process, man. Mm-hmm. And he's a good player, too. He can shoot the three ball at a decent rate, and he can play great defense, you know? Now, I mean, the Sixers have already struggled with – I mean, they have depth, but it's young, right? It's really young. And I think that's been this case for the past couple of years. Yes. I am at the point where I've fought with myself. Do you want to go win now, or do you want to build with those young – you know, Ben Simmons is 24, Thibault's 23, Maxie's 20, you know. But – and then I always keep coming back to Embiid's, what, 26? Oh, no, he's not 26, bro. 28, yeah, I, something like that. And he's never been able to get through a season healthy. He's never going to be able to. And he is not – he doesn't have that many years left of being this dominant, you know. That's why I think we have to maximize what he has left, I think. Our timeline has to be in Beats timeline. I think we I don't think I think he's earned that right to for us to have to revolve things around him. He's gonna get the supermax this offseason, well deserved, and we're gonna have to do things around him. Yeah, I mean that's where I come back to it, where I'm I'm on the side of go get it, go get it done. And now I'm more confident in this offseason that the Sixers can go and do it now with Daryl Morey in the front office, you know. Yeah. We were talking about it before we started recording. I mean, to get swept by the Celtics, you know, last year, it's a bubble. It was such a crazy year. But now you can be see a lot of huge changes happen, and Daryl Morey's not afraid to do it. No, he's not. And that's what – one thing I'm a lot more comfortable right now than I was last year. So last year, <coughs> two weeks after we lost the Celtics, we can have Daryl Morey we had not a lot of ideas. You know, we had Horford on his awful contract. And that was going to – we all knew that was going to be hard to move. And then we brought in Daryl Morey, and he did it. And he did it in a very good way. He moved Al Horford for Danny Green, who played very well all season. You know, he hit three ball well. He played good defense. And that's why I think I have a lot – I'm not as worried this offseason as was last offseason because, yeah, things ended bad. Changes need to be made. But if there's one person I want to make those changes, it's definitely Daryl Morey. All right, coming down to it here now. We've break, broke down a lot of different stuff. If you're Daryl Morey, what are you looking to do this offseason to try to get the Sixers team? Now, they were first in the East. 
This was their chance. The Nets, Brooklyn Nets, that was supposed to be the juggernaut, loses in the second round like you do. I mean, it, it's an absolute – where do you go from here? Yeah, I think that's, again, what, just before I get into what you just said, that's what makes the Game 7 loss so much more disheartening is that the, our biggest competition lost the night before. The night before we lost to the Hawks, the Nets lost. We had our chance to play the Bucks, the team we wanted to play in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we squandered it. But, um, yeah, no, I think Daryl Morey, I think he's going to prioritize – I think he has prioritized getting a true point guard. I think if we keep Ben Simmons on this team, which I'm not 100% opposed to, um, if we don't get the right value for him, I'm not 100% opposed to keeping him on the team. But I think if we do, we have to move him to the four. I think he's a point forward. I don't think he's a point guard. Now, my thing is with that, though, if you do end up doing that, you yeah. saw when the ball was out of his hands on offense. Mm-hmm. He was not interested. Nobody was interested in him at all. What good is he doing out there on offense when he poses no threat? It's a shame because the skill set he has would be the perfect slasher, the perfect ooper. You know, you could throw if you if he played like he could, you could run him as the picker on a pick and roll and throw him an oop so many times just because of the leap he has, the physical size he has. The I would say, if only he had the aggressiveness, man. That's the thing that makes me so mad about him. You shouldn't need somebody up your ass telling you, hey. You can be better. You you got to do this. You shouldn't Not need that. that Not when you're that good. Yeah. Like, you should want that, that I want to be LeBron. I want to be MJ. You know, like, you want to have – you need to have that dog, that Kobe, that I'm going to go and do it. Now, you don't have to shoot like they do. No. But you can impact the game so many more ways. That's the thing that I think people over uh, emphasize is that I think his aggressiveness around the rim and his touch around the rim and his free throw shooting – is way more important than any mid-range or three-point jump shot. Because Giannis doesn't have a mid-range or three-point jump shot, but the reason Giannis is so good is because he's one of the most aggressive players in the league, and he doesn't care who's sitting in that paint. He's going to take it to them every time. And that's what makes him – that's why he was a back-to-back MVP, because of his mentality. Yeah. Not because he can shoot the ball. You know that. Yeah. I mean – yeah, the my thing is now, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm telling Ben Simmons, don't put stuff up on your social media. <laughs> don't don't put videos of you shooting threes, <laughs> shooting free throws. I don't want to see it anymore. I want to see it in games. I don't want to see you in an empty gym shooting anymore. Like, that would just piss me off so much Everyone if I see that. Off-season tradition, Ben Simmons making threes in an open gym. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm absolutely tired of it. He better not. <laughs> and then after that I mean you gotta go and you got yes I agree you need to get a point guard and I don't think you can put Ben Simmons at the four so as much as I want to build with them the shooters that you brought in helped tremendously and Seth and Danny Green now Danny's getting up there in age he's a free agent now this year I believe who knows if he's gonna want you know 15 a year Sixers aren't gonna be able to give him that you know um, I believe 15 mil. What? You said 15 mil. 15 a year. Yeah, that's what I was hearing them talking about. Isn't that what he made? What he said? He was on a two year, $30 million deal, right? Yeah. I'm just yeah. at his age, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep giving him that, you know? Yeah, no. That was just the only reason we were able to pay him that much is because we got rid of the Horford contract. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he's at 34 now. I mean, he had that bad calf injury. 
also unfortunate for the Sixers. You know, you got to think that maybe the series could have gone different if Danny Green was in. But my, my biggest thing with that is, as we're jumping around a little bit, we were talking about so much how bad he was playing at the first two games of that series, you know? And you know, Danny did play awful the first two games. He did. So, I mean, you can – Because I really thought he was going to turn it around too, and then he wasn't able to have that chance. Yeah. He was starting to get there right before he got hurt. And then that's probably the biggest what if for this Sixers team at this point in time. But I, I don't really buy that much stock into that because of how bad he was really playing before. I think my most frustrating thing with Ben Simmons this year is that I think the narrative has always been like the narrative last year when we had our starting lineup of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, and Al Horford and Joel Embiid. There was not enough shooting and not enough spacing. And the argument always was just get Ben Simmons and play him with four shooters. And this year we had Ben Simmons in a starting lineup with a 45% three-point shooter in Steph Curry, a 41% three-point shooter in uh, Danny Green, a 39% three-point shooter in Tobias Harris, and the 38% three-point shooter in Joel Embiid. And we get the same exact results in the playoffs, which is and Ben Simmons goes MIA, hiding. Yeah, no, 100%. Four shooters he needed, and he – still couldn't prov- or provide he still couldn't be the player that we know he can. And I think that's why we probably have to end our time and the Ben Simmons experiment. Dude, we got to look at the, how, how much money do you think those Hawks bench players made in these couple playoff series? Oh, for contracts. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, John Collins, cause John Collins is still in his rookie contract. I even saw earlier in the season, John Collins was rumored to wanted to be traded. He was having problems with, before they hired Nate McMillan, he was having problems with how the team was being run. And then obviously Kevin Herter uh, locked himself up a contract. Bogey just got a contract that was pretty nice. So he's obviously already set. But yeah, no, those, uh, those bench players, Gallinari also racist stock a lot. Herter. I really turned into like 2011 Dirk Nowinski for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And Herter and it, just all these guys coming off their bench. Just that are just pure shooters. If the Sixers can get one of those, a guy like that, you thought it was going to be Corkmoss, you know, or Shake. Burke didn't play awful, you know. He yeah. had some good games, but he also just wasn't enough. You know, he's not enough to be your best, or he's not enough to be your best shooter off the bench. He's not. That was just the craziest part. How these guys just had the confidence to step in, no fear. Game seven, Philadelphia in Philadelphia. The dog in those Hawks players, I will say that. Yeah, they just step in in Philadelphia game seven, one of the toughest places to play. And that's what makes it so frustrating where the Sixers have been so good the past few years at home. And to lose a game seven like a game seven like that, to lose three games in the series at home, game one, five, and seven. Game one, five. That's, that's embarrassing considering how hard the fans go for this team every single time. Yeah. So, I mean, the Sixers are going to have a lot to do here. We're gonna definitely going to keep every one of you updated moving forward here as, you know, <laughs> there's a lot that can happen. Who knows? Maybe MB gets traded, you know? And they, they, what if that happens? They stick with Simmons and they get rid of MB. I'd kill myself, bro. If MB <laughs> ever leaves this city, I'm going to – I'll cry for days, bro. <laughs> there's nothing I love more in this life than Joel Hans and B, let me tell you. Yeah, man. That guy just gets it. He's a dog. I mean, his he knows how to cater to the cities too. He knows how to tr- 
he knows how to make us happy. I'll say that. Playing on the torn at MCL. I mean, everybody's going to give him sm- like trash talk too, trying to put some of it on him. But when the guy's getting you 30 a night on a torn meniscus, I yeah. mean, I, I give him all the credit to try it. I mean, he missed some bad shots at the end of games, but damn. That's one thing I've been a little at least happy with is that while the Sixers have absolutely been, I'm obviously very active on Twitter. The Sixers have been the laughing stock of Twitter for the past two weeks. However, I feel like Joel Embiid has been getting credit for the most part. People, the consensus has been that Joel Embiid was let down by his team, which isn't necessarily 100% true, but it definitely holds weight. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. I mean, just keep in touch to this BSP podcast here. We're going to be bringing you, I guess whatever happens in the world of the Sixers, we got the Phillies now. I mean, we could talk for days about them. I mean, absolutely insane weekend for them, too, against the Mets. Absolutely brutal. So I'll definitely cover them next Monday. So keep an eye out for that. I mean, the NBA Finals is moving. The conference finals are on right now. Bucks are up 2-1, I believe, on the yep. Hawks. They, they pulled out a nice dub last yeah. night. But uh, it should be interesting to see where we go from here. Maybe the Suns win it all. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't thinking that at the beginning. Of the I'd year. like to see that. I'd like to see Chris Paul get his first ring. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely stay in touch. Keep an eye out for our BSP podcast. I want to thank you, Holden. You know, much different, different circumstances than the first time we recorded one. But I think it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was nice talking, obviously. Thank you for having me as well. I always enjoy uh being able to sit down and talk with you, just shoot the shit about some sports, you know? Yep, definitely. All right, everybody. Thank you again. Um, Make sure you keep an eye out next Monday. We'll definitely try to get another one out. Um, Shout out to the 215. Go Birds.